This is the Post Shift Podcast, a raw look at the hospitality industry. What's happening, Post Shifters? And welcome back to another episode of the Post Shift Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Sean Sewell. Um, this week's is a very special one because, uh, funnily enough, I spent almost five months in Singapore last year and actually never got a chance to sit down with this guy. And then we're both in lockdown and we decided to uh, do a live stream last night. And so this is an episode with uh, Jesse Vita from the world-famous Atlas Bar in Singapore, Take It From Me is the one of the most spectacular spaces in the world, hands down. Um, one of my favorite bars in the world, actually. And it is a great space. Um, wicked vintage collection. Singapore is just rife, rife with these sort of spaces. And his story from being in San Francisco to New York, Dead Rabbit and Blacktail, which is huge already, to then going to Singapore and taking over Atlas and becoming one of the world's best bars there. Um, it just it shows determination. And uh, for the younger bartenders out there wondering how to get from A to B, he gives a lot of great insight into how to do that. So really hope you enjoy this episode, guys. Thanks for all the support, and I'll see you soon. Bye. So how you been? Been good, man. You know, it's uh, strange times, but hanging in there. Yeah. Um, are you guys? Are you still working, sort of part time ish at the at the shop? So it's kind of like um, now that we kind of figured out our logistics with our to go cocktails and all that. I'm not physically there that much. I was still there a good amount. Um, we're now heading into the third week. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but we just it just was announced yesterday that our uh, lockdowns extended until June first. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, with the bottled cocktail thing, it was kind of like a crazy turnaround to start, you know, cause you're, you're going from, you know, you're putting in this whole set of logistics that were never part of the business beforehand. Um, so yeah, now I'm working from home much more and, uh, yeah, it's a lot of just emailing and tons of zoom meetings and uh, <laughs> I, find, yeah. I find it crazy. I did a seminar today about how, three, four, five weeks ago, nobody would have thought that they were doing FaceTime and like Zoom conferences as much as they're doing right now. It's like for me, like living in Singapore last year, I FaceTime my girls like every day. So for me, it's second nature. But like the amount of people that are like, I've never Zoomed or done so many video conferences in my whole entire life. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I feel like I live on Zoom. It's just <laughs> meeting, meeting, meeting. <laughs> So let's take it back to uh, issue one of Jesse Vita. Like, what what got you started in the industry? Oh, okay. Um, oh yeah, I'm I'm throwing you hard hitting questions here, buddy. Yeah, like, I was like, all right, we're going right into it. We're, cool. we're going uh, we're going deep straight away. <laughs> That's cool, man. You know, I, I I don't know. I feel like I have one of those kind of bartender stories that that falls in line with a lot of us in this industry. You know, I kind of got in, I jumped in on accident thing. Like, uh, my cousin was, I was I was. 20 years old um this is in san francisco in uh 2007 and um yeah my, my cousin started bar backing at um a bar called bourbon and branch there they, they, they had just fairly recently opened and obviously this is back in san francisco um which is where my hometown where i'm from and uh yeah he he recommended me uh bar backing this place at the time i really didn't you know, I wasn't someone who grew up in like a foodie household or like, you know, like I, my drinking habits were like, you know, getting wasted with friends, drinking like 40 ounce beers and stuff like that. So I didn't really have any introduction to the culture at that time, but he kind of talked me into it. I just was looking for a job, you know, I was, was in college and, uh, 
kind of the rest was history from there. I ended up, I, I started bar backing. I had no idea what I was doing, but I just kind of jumped in and I just fell in love with all of it. You know, the, the flavors, the culture, the history. What were you planning on doing before this? I was actually planning to be um, a history teacher. I was going to teach oh. high school history. Yeah, that was that was my game plan. So I was what I was studying you to high school history. Sorry, what drew you to high school history? Um, I always loved history, um, and I've always enjoyed teaching, and so those kind of things just came together, and I, I kind of wanted to have that opportunity. So I think you know a lot of this when you grow up, when you're in your formative years of high school and middle school, it's like you have either the teachers that like really hate their job who are like awful to be students of. And then you have a lot of teachers that kind of just coast in the middle and they're fine. But then you have those teachers that are like really passionate and care and they can be really inspirational um, to you. And I had some of those experiences. So I wanted, I wanted to try to be that person, you know? Interesting. So you started working at Bourbon and Branch 2007, did you say? No, I didn't work at Bourbon and Branch. My cousin works at Bourbon and Branch and he got me a job uh, working at a place called Orson, which was this, this restaurant um, in San Francisco. And probably after I started working at Orson, like three or four months, then I started bar backing at Beretta in San Francisco, which okay. uh, was, you know, at that time, this was back when the cocktail thing really was just starting in San Francisco. And um, Bourbon Branch was kind of like the first really serious, you know, like speakeasy type cocktail bar mm-hmm. in the city. And then a lot of the people who worked at Beretta branched off, uh, or sorry, other way around. People went for who, a lot of the team, the opening team from Bourbon and Branch ended up going to open Beretta. Um, and so, yeah, at that time, it was like one of the main cocktail bars that had all the kind of big players in San Francisco. And so that's where I really cut my teeth. So when did you, well, did you, how long did you stay in San Francisco for? I left San Francisco in 2011. So I, I started, I was, yeah, I was working in bars, bartending, bar backing for like five years in SF before I ended up jumping to New York. Oh, so did you, did you make the move to New York to Dead Rabbit straight away? Um, not straight to Dead Rabbit. Uh, I, you know, I, I was, my, my jump from San Francisco to New York was kind of like, it, it was also very much a move that was tied to, you know, my desire to go like all in on bartending. When I was in San Francisco, you know, it hadn't really like, it wasn't a thing where it like encompassed my entire life and lifestyle. It was more of like a clock in, clock out. Like I worked at some good bars. I was a good bartender. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a chance to learn from some good people, but I just wasn't like all in on it as a career. Um, and so that was kind of the decision I made when I decided to move to New York was to go all in on it and just make it like a 24 seven, like, let's really see how far we can, you know, go with this thing. And, but, you know, when I moved to New York, you know, New York's New York, people don't care <laughs> really too much about your background <laughs> outside of New York. Uh, and so especially I people to, from the West coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I had to, I had to take that step back to take two steps forward there and I just got a job where I could. Um, so I got a job at a restaurant, um, which was a uh, Momofuku, um, Sambar, so one of David Chang's restaurants, and that led me to a job at Booker and Dax, Dave Arnold's bar at the time, which then led to me going to Dutch Kills, which was part of like the whole Sasha Petrovsky milk and honey, like attaboy style bars. From there, I went to Dead Rabbit. Wow, that's substantial. 
it seemed like you 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 picked your trajectory well. It was the like this is it sounds like you picked up a trajectory really well. Was there gaps and everything as well? Or would literally were like, I want to work here, that's where I'm gonna work. I wouldn't, I mean, it it makes me sound uh, more uh, uh, smart and thought out than it actually was. It was kind of more like those were the places I was able to get an opportunity, you know? Um, Obviously, in in hindsight, it really worked out well because it it got got me like a really great, you know, array of skills and and background. And it was almost like, you know, especially when I think of my, my time in New York, it was like every bar I worked at really helped focus on a certain, you know, ability and skill. Um, so from, you know, Booker and Dax, um, which closed a few years back, maybe three or four years. So some people may not know of it, but it was for those of you who have, uh, Sean, I know you're familiar, but like if anyone's read liquid intelligence or, um, been to their new bar, um, existing conditions in New York. So it's mm-hmm. all very, you know, kind of like. Uh, a lot of culinary engineering centrifuge and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff, rotovaps. And at least in the States, I mean, that we were doing it way before anyone else was. So that was a big learning curve. And then Booker and Dax, I, one of my colleagues, um, or like a friend of a colleague, like knew someone there and um, found out they were hiring. And I was really like, I was, you know, I was always willing to like ask the questions and have the conversations and oftentimes I feel like that leads to opportunities down the road it might not happen right away but it it just kind of like plants seeds in people's minds and so when I went to Dutch Kills that's where I really like I I really attribute a lot of that to like my background as like technical skill bartending you know where everything there's like build by the round and you know the cocktail menu didn't really matter that much because it was like almost all like classics and called for and conversation like we had a menu but it was you made most of the drinks you made were like you know brooklynites and like you know simple daiquiri variations and old-fashioned variations and just kind of like these obscure classics um yeah and then um it was actually funny dead dead rabbit uh i i became friends with jillian vos who's Uh who's now uh, like a managing partner with that group and um i was at tales of the cocktail 2012 um and it was totally one of those like late night like three four in the morning <laughs> you know at, at, like, i was like outside. you should come work for me yeah exactly it was <laughs> it was exactly like that you know and it was kind of one of those things i brushed it off it's just to, like oh we were like you know like drunk talk kind of thing and uh but sure enough uh after we got back she's she's still like the offer still stood so obviously I was you know super excited to go to work for Dead Rabbit um, at that time and and then I was doing both Dutch Kills and Dead Rabbit is is that is that common in Canada as well well bartender two jobs different bars yeah yeah usually in Canada we we you get more of a most bartenders when they get to a certain level they get a full-time gig and it's five six days a week 10 hour shift sort of thing Mm. Okay, cool. Not working at two of the best bars in New York at the same time, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was good times. I couldn't I couldn't complain. And it was really nice because they were very they really kind of balanced each other out. They were very, very different styles of service. And and then the thing I really learned at Dead Rabbit was um one really like elevating um the guest experience to making it like this whole three sixty thing, you know, where like every little 
my new detail was very transformative. Um, and then also cocktail creation was, was a big thing I learned at Dead Rabbit as well. So like from Dead Rabbit, did you, were you on the pick to be on the opening crew for Blacktail when it first opened? Yes. Um, I was at Dead Rabbit for two years before moving over to Blacktail. Um, and actually Jack McGarry, who's a good friend, great friend and mentor um, from one of the owner partners of Dead Rabbit. And at that time, Blacktail, he just came over and was like very casually when I was setting up the bar, he just asked me if I was interested in going to Blacktail. But this is before we even had a name, you know, this is like, we're going to do this kind of like Cuban bar down mm-hmm. down. And I just told him I'd, I'd, I'd be interested if it was a leadership position. And I could kind of tell like the look on his face. It wasn't necessarily what he was originally thinking. I think he was just thinking that I could go there, you know, part-time as well. But then it, it again, you know, it's just like planting the seed, saying something. And probably like a week or two later, they offered me um, the opening bar manager position. At Black nice. Do you find working with guys like Jack and, and Greg that, uh, it sort of doubles down your love of history because like those guys go almost manic on every little detail. And like, I remember seeing when Blacktail was getting built, like I remember seeing Sean and, and Jack, the sketches of the, that one bar stool from that one bar in Havana that they needed to replicate for Blacktail and the, 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 the bevel on the, on the bar edge and stuff like that. Does that just that connect you connect with you so well because of your love of history and that that need to educate? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, uh, you know, obviously that being to the extreme, but it's also it's played a pretty reoccurring role in my life. It's just like you know, because there's so so much of you know bartending and, and cocktail bars. So much of it is about like knowing like the history and the lore of you know, spirits and the background of where things come from and, you know, also bartenders and, you know, the, the cocktail renaissance of the last, you know, 30 years is, is just like a big part of what most bartenders, you know, should, should know. Um, but yeah, I mean, those guys, there's, there's no fluke or mistake to why Jack and Sean are so successful. I mean, they are super hardworking. They really like, they are all in, you know, like there's no stone unturned, you should have seen our training manual for Blacktail. It was like it was like this thick. Like it was like with all the history and you know all the cocktails and everything. it was just like such a ridiculously intimidating training manual to hand over to staff. We ended up consolidating it a little bit, but yeah, you're right. I mean, from the design of the stools to be like La Floridita and, and Havana to the yeah, the edge of the bar. There was like I actually went to Havana on like an R and D trip uh, about seven eight months after we opened and it was cool to see all the classic bars that you could see where all, like a little mm-hmm. piece of inspiration was coming from like you know five or six like really classic Havana bars but yeah so it was a very long-winded answer to say yes the the the, the history and everything did tie I don't mind I like I like long-winded answers because usually the best stories come out of long-winded answers and I think I think uh, there's a certain level, like I've known Sean and Jackson's back in the merchant hotel days. So like I knew them before they moved to New York and stuff. And I think there's a certain level of um, charisma with both of them, like owning the best, one of the best bars in the world for like four years running stuff like that. 
toppling uh, um, what do you call it in uh, artisan in London stuff like that so like I think there's a certain level of like ooh and ah but then when you really get down to the nuts and bolts of who people are um, I'm sure like I, I know a lot of youngsters go oh you know Jesse I'm like yes I know Jesse like <laughs> we, we chat and, it, they're, and they're like oh that must be amazing and so um, I think there's a, a certain level of humanity when it comes to like getting to actually know the people behind some of the best bars in the world they're just regular dudes who are just super pedantic about absolutely everything when it comes to their establishments. Mm-hmm. So what made you make the move to Singapore? I've always been curious about this, this little connection here. Yeah, this is uh, you know, it's funny, it's a, big, it's a big, it's a big jump. Like San Francisco to New York, like you can drive cross country, then New York to freaking Singapore. It's a whole different animal. Yeah. You're going to need at least a boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it was it was really kind of right right time, right place, and I think you know this is, you know, again as, as people are coming up in their in their careers, you know, this is why it's really important. I heard um, I, I watched your podcast with Samantha of, of Dead Rabbit, Samantha Kasuga, and you know I heard her mention you know really putting yourself out there, and 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 that is a hundred percent super important. And I'm sure that you can relate in your career as well. It's just kind of like really like you know making a point to like go out and do things and meet people and, you know, take advantage of education when it's there. And, you know, in a, in a genuine way, right. Like you don't need to go around, like just like pushing everyone for opportunities, but when you just, when you go out to tales of the cocktail, when you go out to these events, um, when you have an opportunity to work at a place like dead rabbit or something where a lot of people come through, um, it's, it's a great way to make connections. And actually the, the story of me coming to Singapore starts about seven years ago. Um, it was really, yeah, so it was one of my first um, one of my first successful cocktail competitions, I, I should say. Um, back when I was doing a lot of those, uh, I ended up going on a, a trip to Peru with um, a brand called Encanto Pisco. Um, they had like this kind of like global competition where you had to put in like a video and feature one of their cocktails. Blah, blah blah, but they sent twelve of us out there. Um, and there was people from around the states and from Australia, and one of the people that I, you know, ended up making a connection with and becoming um, friends with, who was at the time um, running some. He was like kind of beverage director for a lot of bars in Sydney. Um, uh, Jason Williams, who works mm-hmm. for a company out here, he's the creative director. And so him and I just kind of always like stayed in touch. Like uh, you know, um, we didn't talk all the time, but. I saw him at, you know, Tales of the Cocktail a couple of times and, you know, whatever. We'd, we'd kind of have back and forth here and there. Uh, and the actual, uh, the, the real story starts with um, a long bar in the Raffles Hotel. I I was kind of, I was, I'd been, a, I'd been working with the boys with Jack and Sean for about five years. And I think for the longest time, I just assumed I would just work for those guys forever. Um but I, I hit a ceiling, you know, it happens sometimes. Like I just mm-hmm. kind of, after, after, you know, Blacktail had some great success in the first um, two and a half years I was there, but I just started to kind of, I, I realized that I was getting unhappy in New York. That was kind of the first thing um, more so than my job. I just was like, I'm kind of nomadic. I got to like move around here and there, you know, and I, I just kind of felt like it was, I, I'd been in New York for almost seven years at that point. Um, and it was just time. And so I, I kind of already had a plan of I was I was going to, you know, end up putting my notice in at Blacktail at the end of 2018. And I was just going to kind of like 
see what was out there for me, maybe, maybe head back to California or I, I really didn't know at that time. Um, but the proof and code guys started blasting out this opportunity for uh, the long bar and uh, raffles long bar home of the Singapore sling as as you know, um, very famous storied iconic um, hotel bar. And I kind of just fell in love with that, like romanticism of like coming back and revamping this, you know, historic program. So I interviewed for the job very casually at, at first. Um, and I had messaged uh, Jason, some guys from Proof & Co, just asking some questions about it. Um, I end up being in these interviews for months um, and I'm, I end up being one of the final candidates. Uh, they end up choosing somebody else, which was totally fine. But, you know, one closed door leads to another open one. And that's exactly what this happened in this situation is because I had spent, you know, three months interviewing for this job and I had gotten really serious about thinking of moving to Singapore, which wasn't something I had really considered in the past. Um, you know, because of that, well, I had visited once and it was a very quick trip, but I did enjoy it. And then um, because I was interviewing and thinking about it, I started talking to people out here and asking them like, what was life like? And, you know, mm-hmm. was like getting more kind of an in-depth understanding of it. And it seemed like it could be something cool. But when that ship sailed, like it really sailed for me. I was kind of just like, okay, that thing didn't work out. It was kind of random anyway. I'm just going to continue with my plan. And then uh, Jason reached out to me and he was just like, hey, man, like if you're still interested in Singapore, there might be this cool opportunity. And for some reason, I just knew he was talking about Atlas. I didn't even like I, I didn't really I didn't even know at that time that the former head bartender Roman was leaving but I just had a feeling he was talking about Atlas and and he was like yeah you know Atlas like this position's opening um and and you know it wasn't like a, this is your job if you want it it was just like hey we want to put you forward as a candidate and at that time I was just to be honest my my initial feelings were more kind of just like let's just have the conversation and see where it goes um and then that led to another few months of interviews and then when I got to know you know the the upper management the ownership I kind of felt like we were all in line with what you know we wanted to achieve together with Atlas and luckily at the end of the day they decided I was going to be the best candidate for the job and they offered me the position I thought you I always thought you were the opening manager for Atlas I didn't know Atlas was already open when you took over no Atlas so Atlas actually opened it was actually kind of funny like I feel like I have this weird relationship with Atlas because Atlas opened right around the same time Blacktail opened. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a little bit a little bit later. It it opened probably, let's see. So probably like five or six months after. Okay. Blacktail. But as far as like the global kind of like scene was, Blacktail and Atlas just ended up being kind of some of the more like, you know, talked about, well-known, you know, bar mm-hmm. openings of those times. So it was kind of like we were always like mirroring each other a little bit. Um, uh, no, so the the original head bartender, his name is Roman Fulton. He used to work at Artesian. Um, so mm-hmm. he was at Atlas for the first year and a half, roughly, um, before before moving on. And then I was, yeah, and then I was at I was at uh, Blacktail for about two and a half years. So there was they actually had like a four month gap of not having someone in my position here. So that created some interesting challenges when I first arrived, but. Yeah, it all, it all worked out the right way, I think. So uh, you made the move to Singapore. I know my, my opinion of Singapore is very, very high. Like I, if I was a single man today, I would be moving to Singapore tomorrow. <laughs> um, and uh, do you enjoy being in Singapore? 
I do, man. It's, you know, um, obviously you were, you were living out here for a bit. Um, you know, I like, I really, I fell in love with Singapore pretty quickly after moving here. I think, you know, it really, as, as a city outside of the bars, um, I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's really nice, you know, like, it's just like, (laughs) it's so nice. It's like, it's really, you know, it's just like clean and easy and there's really great cheap food everywhere. And it's just (laughs) like, I just, I don't know. I, I find myself, this is like, you know, we're like, for example, my lifestyle in New York was very different for me. <clears throat> it was just very like super intense all the time. And mm. it was just like, really like, I felt like you're just like, you're in New York, you got like five different hustles just to like pay your bills. And yeah. you're, you know, I mean, I, th- I feel like a lot of bartenders are, are hustlers, but uh, you, you just kind of like, you're just grinding there all the time. You know, it's just like, has this super intense energy and it's just like, you're just really like, you're just kind of like at the edge of your seat at all times in New York. <laughs> just waiting for someone to screw you over or you yeah, have to hustle someone. Try not to get played. Um, and yeah, I mean, Singapore is just really kind of, for me, it's just like a much kind of like nicer, calmer lifestyle. So how, how many people live there? It is a very like sedate city. It doesn't ever feel crowded. Like you, yeah, can totally. run, you can literally go for a run during peak hour. Like everybody's getting off work, but you never feel like you're crushing through people or anything. Like as I try to explain it to people, like because Singapore itself is not much bigger than where I live, mm-hmm. but there's I have 185,000 people in the city I live in, and there's 5.5 million there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you try to talk to people about just condensing and underground subways and underground yeah. malls and like kilometers and kilometers of malls, and they just can't wrap their heads around it. Yeah, the malls in Asia are intense, huh? They got lost so many, lost, lost so many times. Yeah. Like come out from underground and go, ah, shit, I should be over there. I might as well just walk. I'm not going to go back underground. I'm just walking in the heat over there now, just so I know my point of reference. So going back to, going back to Atlas, it is a, it is a spectacular room. And I think um, the pitches never do it justice. But I think the hard thing is, is that, uh, from even for me when I first walked in, I thought it was part of a hotel, and it's not. It's part of like a, a commercial building. Yeah, and every detail is like it's been pulled out of like nineteen twenty four New York, LA style Art Deco sort of thing, and it's all been built custom from scratch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, yeah, you said it right there. I mean, there's. It's when you walk in, you just kind of like tilt your head back and <clears throat> look at the ceiling in awe, and I mean. That still doesn't totally go away. Like I still do it. It's been a year and a half and I'm I'm still I still walk in that place pretty amazed. There's there's really no space like it in the world. And I think, you know, that's that's kind of like the first thing that I really respect about it, you know, as 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 running the bar program there is like it's great because when people walk in, they're already so just impressed mm-hmm. <laughs> with the room. <laughs> I feel like everything else is like you just gotta, you know, just give good service, give good drinks. You know, we don't got to go crazy because people are already like in a really cool place and we don't need to take away from that. You know, we just need to kind of, you know, we need to make every, make sure that everything's in line and it makes sense and that the story is there and that, you know, I mean, it's, it's, and it's cool too, because it's almost like, it's like walking into Grand Central Station, you know, I mean, it's just like this amazing awing space and, 
uh, it's really something that like you can't you just can't recreate an atlas. You know, you can't put that in any other space. There's really I can't think of another city in the world where it would even be able to exist. Um, but yeah, the building the building is an ode to Art Deco, very uh, detailed, um, as you said. Like when you look across the ceiling, there's like it's just it's it's very amazingly done. And unfortunately, I can't explain it well enough. Everyone just needs to come and visit us and see it for yeah, themselves. Go there. What's the sort of uh you've been Booker and Dax, which is molecular Dutch kills, dead rabbit, uh, black tail, all sort of history related focus. What's the focus of Atlas? Because did you change the focus or was that, that I know that I've heard stories of Jason and the gin tower and stuff like that, but did you really like hone in the focus when you took over of what Atlas was going to be or what it was coming from to where it is now? Um, I can't really take credit for, you know, changing the focus or anything at Atlas, but I think that my skill set and background and kind of particular, as you were talking about with, you know, Dead Rabbit and Blacktail, I was really, you know, able to apply that skill set with like our current cocktail menu, um, with the training programs of the bartenders, um, and, you know, just kind of unifying uh, the bar team behind this common goal and this cause and, and how we work together. Um, but you know, I really, that was something that, that was a lesson I I remember. I can't remember if it was Sean, I think it was Sean, um, from dead rabbit that just really stuck in my mind. Um, and he said, you know, a bar has to have a story or at least our bars at that Mm -hmm. time, you know, black Sunday rabbit, they need to have a story because we're in New York and there's hundreds of amazing cocktail bars. So why would you go to this bar and not that bar? Because there's tons of bars with like a great quality of standard of drinks and cocktails, but like the story is really what, you know, draws people into the experience. And so, yeah, that, that was definitely a big focus for me coming into Atlas is, you know, continuing to, you know, just fill in the gaps of like everything really connecting and being under the same kind of like theme and style and, and banner. I feel um, I know that uh, coming from North America, the job market in Singapore is much, much different in the way of the the staffing and that sort of thing. And I, I don't know, but you've been in, in the industry long enough. I feel like uh, hospitality and bartending and, and serving in in um, in Singapore is still viewed as like what it was in the US 20 years ago, where it's like your mom and dad are shameful of you because you're still a bartender and you haven't got a real job. There's still that very strong mentality. How'd you get over that? Cause I was always curious about this one myself because opening three venues in fucking five months, um, again, trying to get that learning curve. And I remember coming in, I didn't hire the first round of staff for misfits um, they were high before I arrived and a few things got done before I arrived. So I had to sort of adapt. And I remember doing a wine tasting and my wine manual is like this thick. The owners want a 45 bottle wine list. I'm like, sweet. We're going to go freaking hardcore. Like you want Mediterranean. I can do it. Um, and I remember sitting down doing training going, so who's, who drinks wine regularly and no hands went up. And then I was like, who's drunk wine. And like three hands out of 14 people went up. I'm like, Oh fuck. Um, <laughs> shit. Okay. So we have to figure out how to like start from very, very, the very, very beginning of how to like do it. And then we tasted through 45 bottles of wine in like three days. And it's still, we have to do tastings every single day after that. How did you deal with that sort of, and it's not nothing and nothing against the people that work in the industry. It's just, it's, it's progressing slowly, but it's still a very slow progression on uh, skill sets, 
passion, that sort of thing. How'd you get over that for a place like Atlas? Yeah, I mean, I, you, you nailed it. I mean, staffing out here is it can be very challenging because um, just just like you said, it, it's, it's still in that beginning stages here. And I think, you know, uh, Singapore had such a, a rapid ascension, right? Like went from one or two cocktail bars to five, six later years later, you know, re- regarded as one of the best cocktail cities in the world, you know, just like, like that. And so, you know, the, the, the entire culture of, you know, uh, the local people here, obviously it's still needs to catch up um, with kind of like understanding that, you know, bartending can be a, a real job and a real career. And um, yeah, I, the first, the first six months, first year even, I mean, was really, really challenging with staffing, but you know, I, I think the most important thing always is, is a culture, right? A culture of sustainability, a culture of, you know, education and care, which will get people to stick around. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we went through tons of turnover when I first got here. And I mean, there were times when I was so desperate to hire people at one of the world's best bars that like, you know, I was like, all right, like, yeah, you have almost no experience, but like a really like basic understanding. So here we go. You know, um, anywhere, else in the, anywhere else in the world, you just have a lineup out the door of people oh, just yeah, popping off absolutely. resumes constantly. Well, I think, you know, also there's the there's the quota thing here, which some people viewing may not know um, that you need to hire basically five Singaporeans for every mm-hmm. one, you know, foreigner, if you will. Um, so that obviously it's a good and a bad thing um, because it's obviously good that uh, the government cares to have their, their Singaporeans to be employed. Um, but it also can create a bit of entitlement, right? With like a Singaporean knows that they, they can always get a job. Then it doesn't create that same kind of like dynamic. Uh, like you said, if, if this, if Atlas was in New York, you know, there would be a line around the block to, for people to work there. But so, yeah, it, it was a learning curve and, but I was able to find some success at, at this point. I mean, we've barely had any turnover the last like, you know, eight, nine months at the nice. team. And I think it's really just because, you know, the people that were wanting to take it seriously and step up have done that. And they've kind of moved up into some leadership positions. Um, and we got a Canadian girl on our team, uh, Lauren Sosnowski. She's doing a great job. She's part of my bar supervisor team. So, um, yeah, we have a couple of people that really stepped up and like, a, you know, it's still a learning curve of, you know, every day, you know, being, being a leader and it's still a learning curve, you know, it, you know, when you, when you bring one bartender up from bartender ranks into a supervisor role, it's a lot of work to really get them to stabilize in that. And so I have the full respect to their peers, but I, I just really, you know, you get, you get out what you put in. Mm-hmm. And I, I really feel like as, as a manager, you know, of course, those like the romanticized aspects of what we do, like getting to travel or, you know, whatever judge or, you know, do cocktail competitions or people see the posters, the awards, but that's like such a small percent of what we do. And I really feel like I spend all my damn time just sitting and talking to people, you know, just making sure they're okay. And just like trying to set up the team, you know, to, to be and to feel like they can be successful in Atlas and, and putting, you know, a training program together. That's like, you know, when you leave this bar, um, people should look at your CV or your resume and be like, Oh shit, you worked at Atlas. I expect a certain level of 
you know, skill set from you. And like, you know, when I bring people in, I'm like, I will provide you with that. You'll have that when you work here, you know? And so it's, it's created some sustainability within our team, but I mean, yeah, it was, it was a massive challenge when I first got here. On a personal note, how do you stay, how do you personally stay motivated? Because like, do you feel like you've hit the pinnacle of your career with Atlas? Or apart from the ever evolving nature of your, your role, do you feel like you've sort of, because a lot of people would have said like, oh, you did Blacktail. And then when you did Atlas, I'm just like, dude, fuck, you, you, can you stop just like, like everybody thinks you're at the top there. You freaking take another massive leap up. <laughs> how, how do you stay, how do you stay motivated? Um, Cause you were saying like, you're very nomadic and that sort of thing. How do you stay motivated and pushing yourself to continue being better day in, day out, especially with the hurdles? Mm. Man, that's, that's a good question, Sean. You're, you're coming with the hard-hitting ones. I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that before. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've been quite lucky to have a pretty amazing uh, career trajectory and arc, especially over the last, you know, four or five years. It's kind of like one of these, been, been these moments of like, oh, these are the opportunities I suppose I've been working for, you know, the last 12 years in the industry, 13 years in the industry. Um, you know, I've kind of always, I'm just, I don't know if this is a good thing, but I've always had a chip on my shoulder. I kind of like grew, grew up with that just like because of my upbringing. So, you know, I'm my own worst critic. Um, yeah. No one will ever be harder on me than I'll be on myself. Um, <clears throat> so I, I kind of get up every day motivated. I just want to be better. Um, I want to, I will say my, my I, I used to really want to be just totally honest with you, I really did want a lot of those achievements. There were times when I really did, you know, I was really all about like us being, you know, like a a dead rabbit and black till. Mm -hmm. Like I really wanted us to be like, not only, you know, feel like we were really good or the best, but I also wanted us to be recognized Mm -hmm. as such. Um, That mentality has changed for me. Now I really just feel like if we can be the best that we can be, then let's just see what happens and the rest of the world can feel how they feel about it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I still like, you know, I still, I still got all these ideas and I still really like, you know, love to be creative and I love to, you know, apply myself as, as much as I can in my role. And I mean, you know, there it's, it's not like it's easy all the time. I definitely get up days where I don't feel motivated or, you know, I don't want to do, you know, some of the maybe more uh, uh, tedious, you know, admin <laughs> aspects of my role. But like, I just, I don't know, I still, I haven't really lost inspiration. I still feel pretty fired up. And as far as the pinnacle of my career, I mean, I don't know. I mean, for me, I feel like there's a lot more left to the story. I feel like I have a lot more left with Atlas in particular at this point. Um, um, but yeah, as far as what, what happens after that, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, it's not like for me at this point, it's not really about, you know, going and working at the most famous bars. It's just about, you know, where, where can I apply my skill set and where is it like a, where is it a nice symbiotic relationship? And also I like living in a place where I'm enjoying where I'm living is important to me, which is why Singapore is pretty ideal right now. Well, you have taken a big um, sort of flip on health. Like you, I've noticed, through social media and stuff in the last like 18 months, pretty much since you've been in Singapore, you're uh, you've sort of flipped on mental health and physical fitness and stuff like that pretty aggressively. What sort of made you to do that push? Was it, was it moving to Singapore where 
like running around freaking Marina Bay Sands on a on at four thirty on a on an afternoon is the most gorgeous thing in the world you could possibly could do. Um, yeah. What made you make the switch? Also, the most brutal thing you can do because it's like ninety percent humidity and forty yeah. degrees every day here. Um, I don't know. It was just time. It was just I, you know, I to be honest, as many bartenders do, I was just like abusing my body like hardcore for a very long time and not eating healthy and you know just like you know I mean I've gone years and years and years of drinking every night you know what I mean like and and there were times and when I was a little bit younger especially where I was like drinking to the point of being you know intoxicated about every night and um you know I still like to drink and have a good time but it was just I just I felt like I needed that balance you know I'm not getting any younger and I just there, there was something about Singapore, though, that did make it feel easier to make mm-hmm. that transition than in New York. And I can't really put my finger on what it is. Maybe there's just like a healthier general culture and lifestyle here that, that makes it easier to vibe with. But um, yeah, I mean, the like the weather's warm every day, so you can run every day. You know, I've, it doesn't get cold I've, here. I've, I've flopped pretty hard since I was working out as much as I was in, in Singapore. I think it's just, it's just the size of the city. Like you can literally do an hour run and you've run around the whole entire bay. And I was up on Kyong Sak above old man there. And I could do the whole run around Chinatown, everything in an hour and be home. And I'm like, Oh, that was a nice run, a gorgeous run, swinging your balls off. Now for me to go for a run for an hour here, that's too far. (laughs) Too cold. (laughs) Too cold. It's too wet. It's too far. Um, So what, uh, what do you see for yourself? Hypothetically, how where do you see Singapore bouncing back? Do you think it's going to bounce back strong after the after the lockdown, or do you think there's going to be? I always found that Singapore had a little bit of for hospitality anyway, a little bit of a false economy, like a lot of money in the system, a lot of bars always opening and sort of closing and, and evolving and stuff like that. Do you think that this is going to sort of uh, sort of put an equilibrium to the cocktail culture because it is so young, it is so new? Do you think it's going to equalize the, the culture a little bit when it comes to food and drink of the, the hot, higher stuff? Mm, um, yeah, man, it's also in this weird, bizarre 2020 in the world. It's uh, it's all very up in the air. I mean, I'm obviously very concerned for the F&B industry, not just in Singapore, but globally. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of scary um, outcomes for this and, you know, not to be selfish, but our industry definitely is one of the most negatively affected um, within this because, um, well, for a myriad of reasons. But I guess uh, to answer your question with Singapore, yes, I, I do think it will bounce back. I think it'll take a little bit of time. I mean, obviously, Singapore relies very heavily on tourism, like many cities around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're basically we've lost a, a big chunk of what is the, the business, a lot of the business that comes through um, some of the cocktail bars here. The thing about Singaporeans is they do go out a lot and Singapore, the culture here is very like bar hopping. Like people don't mm-hmm. really like go and sit down at a place for three, four hours as much as they do maybe in a lot of other cities. Um, so I think there will still be a demand um, I think, you know, just the big question with it bouncing back, is like how many bars are not going to reopen, you know what I mean? Like how many places are going to be affected? I mean, there's this, there's this like weird, I think the, 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 the weirdest thing with what's going on right now is, is like the rent thing is very confusing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, 
everyone has to shut their doors, but if your landlord still wants their rent, then they still so want their rent, you know? And it's like, okay. Or like some of the places who've been kind of done like the furlough thing where like, like in New York, um, landlords can't evict people for three months mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's like, yeah, but what happens after three months? Like you have people who haven't been working and haven't making income. They're just magically going to be able to pay four months rent. Yeah. Like it's like, there's a flaw, you know, it doesn't make any sense. So it's like, I mean, that, that's something that has to get figured out, but for the culture here, I, I, I still think it's a great market um, for cocktail bars for a whole myriad of reasons. I mean, from English being the first language, it makes it very approachable for West, Western travelers and, and foreigners settling in here. Um, the culture here is that everyone goes out. Like if you're growing up, you go to the food hawkers yeah. mm-hmm. all the time. It's it's not like a huge, you know, cook at home culture. Um, and, you know, while people here are not, you know, as advanced in, in their maybe education of wine or spirits or things like that, because Singapore is such a young country, um, there's not really a very set way of drinking here. It's still pretty mm-hmm. open and you can still, people are pretty willing to try different things and stuff. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I do believe it will bounce back, but it's, it's going to take a while. It's not going to be a quick turnaround. You know what I mean? And hopefully... Hopefully, you know, as we get into the, you know, mid late summer and into fall, mm-hmm. um, ho- hopefully we're starting to get a little bit back to normal. But I mean, internally, yes. But I mean, for still for for uh, tourism, I mean, I, who knows? That might not even be till 2021. that, that And really it's tourism's happen. all the time. It's not like tourism seasons like most cities. It's tourism all the time. <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't stop. Yeah, yeah. So, um, for you personally and for Atlas, what what's what are the big plans? Like, after before all this sort of thing happened, what were the big plans for twenty twenty for uh, for Atlas before COVID? Well, um, we're working on the new menu, which we're still doing. Um, we were we were just rolling out like our first ever kind of guest bartender series. It was something we had never done. Um, but we had a really cool kind of outreach plan for that. But that said, we're actually going to doing some digital stuff with that, which will be nice. Cool. We're, we're working on uh, on that outreach right now. Uh, so that's actually going to be launching within a week or two. Um, yeah, I mean, the menu, of course, we had tons of like, you know, travel plans set up uh, for us to do um, our outreach and then bringing people in. And, um, you know, we we this is also probably going to be quite delayed, but we were opening um kind of an annex if you will uh we were opening another bar that was going to be part of the atlas umbrella which was in that area um which was going to be a bar that was all focused on age spirits um more kind of tastings and kind of more of a simplified cocktail menu but that was going to be a pretty exciting expansion of, of of our program there so of course a lot of those things are in date going to be delayed for quite some time but so I'm going to let you go because I know you've got things to do and more Zoom meetings to do today. Um, one last thing. What is the best piece of advice for a young bartender who feels that, and I asked the same question to Kasuga, you saw this, uh, to Sammy. What sort of advice do you have to a bartender who feels like things like Dead Rabbit and Blacktail and, and, and Atlas are completely out of reach for them because they're in somewhere in Iowa, but they're making cocktails at their local little joint and they've got a small little group of people. What do you say? What's the best piece of advice for people like that? Like bartenders like that who want to make that move, but feel like it's impossible. 
Well, I mean, I can tell you that many, many of us, you know, have felt like a move was impossible uh, before we did it, but you just got to go out there and do it. You just got to put yourself out there and put yourself in those markets. I think the best way for those, for those bartenders who have the ability and or the means, and of course, this isn't going to be happening right now with the, with the current situation, but like, if you have a bar or a city that you idolize, go, go to it, go visit it, just go and go and go and take a weekend and go to New York. And even if you don't meet, if you if you don't know anyone, like go out there and like go to these bars that you like and, you know, have a conversation with the bartender. It really starts there. I mean, I, I know when, when I was working at dead rabbit, we had this, this one bartender who moved from San Francisco where I'm from. I didn't know him from there, but he came in a couple times to dead rabbit. And so the second time, you know, I was talking to him a little more and he was like, man, I want to work here. Like, what do I got to do to work here? And I just told him, I was like, you off on Thursdays? Because he just, he came like two Thursdays. He was like, yeah. I was like, come in every Thursday. And he was like, kind of looked at me like, he was like, what? I don't know. It's kind of crazy. It sounds expensive. I was like, come here every Thursday and you will get a job here eventually. I promise you make the connections <laughs> with people. And, and it, it happened. He ended up working at the bar, wow. you know? Um, so yeah, I think you just, you got to really find ways to put yourself out there. And I think right now, probably media and social media is the best way I mean, watch as many of these type videos as you can, you know, like take advantage of the education out there. And, you know, eventually just you have you have to get out there. You have to show face because even even just sending someone like a message online, like if they're, you know, one of the big mover and shakers of the industry, I promise you they get these messages all the time from (laughs) from all around the world. So try to try to make an opportunity to actually like get like a face to face connection, try to go to these Mm -hmm. bars and just you know, put, put a plan together. Cause you can kind of sit around and say like, Oh, I want to do this. And I want to do that. But like actually put a plan of action. Like, how are you going to do this? How are you going to get there? How much money do you need to save to move to New York or to wherever, you know, like I think a lot of people sit around and they wait for things to come to them. Like you, you have to fucking go out there and get it. You know what I mean? Like you gotta, you know, ask, ask for forgiveness, not permission. I think that's really the best way to advance in your career. Amazing. Well, thank you very much, buddy. I really appreciate your time. I know that it's 9am there and uh, I got you out of bed a little bit earlier than probably you usually do. Maybe. (laughs) I'll I'll chat to you really soon, buddy. All right. Thanks, Sean. Bye. Stay safe. Thanks for listening, Pose Shifters. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really enjoy sitting down with friends and peers and uh, just chatting about the industry and getting down to the nuts and bolts of what's really going on out there. Uh, Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, everything on all the platforms. Just hit it up and I'll do my best to answer any queries or questions you have. I'll see you next week, guys. Bye.